Hebrew chapter six, verse thirteen to twenty. When God made His promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for Him to swear by, He swore by Himself, saying, "I will surely bless you and give you many descendants." And so, after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. People swear by someone greater than themselves. And the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who had fled to take hold of the hope set before us, may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for, for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain, where our forerunner, Jesus, has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Good morning. It's a pleasure to be with you today and I'm really glad that you've taken the time to join us. You know, we're going through a tough time right now as a nation, aren't we? I don't know if you've, uh, like me, if you've seen the stats of people dying and seen the effects in our world at the moment. It's heartbreaking. And I want to ask you a question. In the midst of all of that, how is your faith doing? How is your faith doing? doing. You see, my experience has been that a real deep faith in Jesus, a genuine faith, actually thrives in times of difficulty. I don't say that in a glib way, but I've come to know and experience that it's in the difficult times and the dark times that my faith becomes so much more real and vibrant. You know, Bex spoke to us last week uh, about the dangers of drifting away, the dangers of people who walk away from their faith. And it was a very challenging talk and a very needed talk. And I really encourage you, if you haven't uh, watched that, to go back and to watch that talk. And it speaks of this warning that the writer to Hebrews gives. And as he writes, he writes uh, because he is concerned for their well-being. And so he writes to encourage them. And he says, but my hope for you is better than that. In other words, he warns them of the dangers of falling away and then says that his hope for them is better than that. You know, the warnings of the Bible are real, they're clear, and at times they're very strong and very bold, but they are there for our good. They're not there because God just wants to be stern and austere, and, uh, but they are there to warn us of dangers. And the passage last week was one of those passages that warns of a danger, and it warns of a danger clearly and bluntly. Much like if you're a parent and your child runs out into the road, you may be very clear and blunt and at times even rough in your explanation. Why? Because you want them to get the point because you don't want your child to be injured. And so God is very, very clear 
with his people of the warnings of giving up. And so much of Hebrews is written to Christians who are thinking about giving up to encourage them to carry on. It's written to Christians going through a hard time and the exhortation is to push on, press on. It's an encouragement not to give up. And today's talk is on the back of that. It moves from the, this quite strong warning to an encouragement to move on, to press on. It's an encouragement, firstly, to faith and patience. An encouragement to faith and patience and uses Abraham as an example of that. It's an encouragement that we should walk with a sense of an encouraged heart, that we get courage from seeing the examples that God has given to us. And thirdly, that we realize and walk in the living hope that we have in Jesus. So firstly, have faith and patience. Have faith and patience. You know, I want us to begin today with uh, verse 12, and that's the end verse of what Beck spoke about last week. And it says this, we do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. He says to them, we don't want you to become lazy. We don't want you to stop pushing in toward God. You may remember in one of the first talks in this series, I gave the example of an escalator and uh, a down escalator and how it will naturally take you backwards unless you make an active uh, decision to run up and push up through it that the direction of drift is downwards. And that's what the writer to Hebrews is saying. He says, I don't want you to get, be lazy. I don't want you to give up, but I want you to press in through faith and patience. And you know, there is a need for faith and patience in our lives. As Christians, I believe that our lives ought to be characterized by both faith and patience. Faith is believing that what God says is true and that through faith we possess it already. It's a response to God that says, I believe you and I base my life on the fact that your word is true and I accept it as done already. But patience also works along with faith and patience is not giving up. Patience is continuing to believe, continuing to act, continuing to remain faithful, even when we don't see the thing that we have faith for or the thing that we hope for. I want to say to you, don't give up because it feels tough now. Don't give up because it feels tough. If you speak to people who run marathons, they will often tell you there's this thing, the wall, there's this stage that you hit where you feel you can't go on. And what you need to do is to keep pushing on through that. And you'll come through that time because if you've trained properly, then you're able to go through it. And I want to say to you, don't give up when it feels like the heavens are silent. Don't give up when it feels like God is not listening. Don't give up when you don't see the change that you hope for. Instead, mix faith and patience. Wait diligently on God. You know, 
this passage was used this, um, to encourage them to keep on in faith and patience. And they use the, the writer uses the example of Abraham. And I want us today to see him as an example of the faith and patience that we need to press into all that God has for us. You see, Abraham was a living example of the way that God keeps his promises. As we read from uh, this passage here, we see in verse 13, when God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. You know, God is always faithful. And to remind the Hebrew believers to walk in faith and patience, he reminds them of the example of Abraham. You know, verse 14 speaks about the promise that Abraham received, that he will have many descendants. And if we look, God repeats this promise to him in various ways. We see that in Genesis 12, God speaks to him and calls him and says, Abraham, leave this place that you're familiar with and go on this uncertain journey to the place that I will show you. And in one sense, that begins Abraham's journey of faith. And we see that he, God promises Abraham that his descendants will be many. And we see the promise repeated again in Genesis 13 and Genesis 15. God promises Abraham that he will have many descendants. And we see that this promise to Abraham of him having many descendants is remarkable. Because by the time he received that promise, he was 75 and his wife was 65. Naturally, there was no way for that to happen. You know, and we see that Abraham has to believe God and we see the ups and downs of it, that somehow Abraham and Sarah try to bring that promise about through their own actions and, and that doesn't work. And God is at work reminding them and challenging them to believe that he would make that promise come true. In Genesis 17, we see that at 90 years old, Sarah is still without a child and God reminds them of that promise. To receive what God had for them, they had to wait and wait patiently even when all the circumstances said something completely different. To receive what God had for them, they needed to walk in faith, to believe God for what seemed impossible, but also in patience. And likewise, you and I need to be people who walk in faith and patience. We need to believe that God is true to his word and to have an expectation in the here and now that God will bring his word to pass, but also to be patient when we don't see it immediately. In Genesis 17, 17, we see it says this, Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? 
And Abraham said to God, if only Ishmael might live under your blessing. Then God said, yes, but your wife Sarah will bear a son and you will call him Isaac. I love this sense in which despite the odds, when God reminds Abraham of his faithfulness, Abraham says, this is impossible. We're too old. He's honest with God. You know, being in faith doesn't mean that we have to be dishonest. No, faith is intellectually honest and it's relationally honest. Abraham shares his struggle and his doubt with God and God encourages him. Secondly, be encouraged. Be encouraged. I want to read to you from verse 18. It says, God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope before us may be greatly encouraged, may be greatly encouraged. The writer speaks of both a promise to Abraham and a vow. The promise is that of, which is spoken of in verse 14, I will bless you and multiply you. And it's really interesting because the writer to Hebrews wants them to see that in Christ, they are also included in that, not just as natural descendants of Abraham, but as his spiritual children as well. And then we see that God added a vow. Now it's kind of strange, isn't it? Because vows were used where people's word didn't mean so much. So they would appeal to a higher authority saying, if you don't believe me, well, I'm swearing by God. And it's really interesting because in order to encourage Abraham and in order to encourage those who would follow in his faith, God, in one sense, comes down to our level. He uses this idea. The interesting thing is God can't swear by anyone higher than himself, but he makes this vow. And we see that in Genesis chapter 22, verse 16. It says, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring, all the nations of the earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. That's written in the context of Abraham being able, willing to offer his only son, Isaac. We see this foreshadowing of, uh, of Jesus, God's only son. And God makes this vow to go along with the promises that he has made to Abraham. God wanted to encourage Abraham so he swore this oath to him so that he might be encouraged. And here we see that the writer to Hebrews makes the point that this isn't just for Abraham's encouragement, but this is for the encouragement of you and I and all those who would follow in his footsteps. 
God wants his people to be encouraged. He's not just trying to catch them out. He's not setting them up to fail. God wants you to know that even when it is difficult, even when your circumstances are tough, even if you are suffering for being a follower of Jesus, that he wants you to carry an encouraged heart. Brothers and sisters, I want to to exhort you strongly, don't live with discouragement. Don't live with a discouraged spirit. We may experience that, but I want to tell you, rise up, live above it, and be encouraged. We read in the Old Testament that David encouraged himself in the Lord. And there may be days where nobody's going to come and encourage you, and you need to learn to encourage yourself in God. And God is the God of all encouragement. And he made that vow to Abraham so that Abraham might be encouraged. And Abraham was, he literally experienced courage, strengthening, boldness. That's what encouragement does. It gives courage to our hearts. And I want to say, if your circumstances look impossible, imagine what Abraham's looked like. And yet he found encouragement in God's promise to him. You see, the promise to Abraham was you shall be a father to a multitude of nations. Through Abraham, all the peoples of the earth would be blessed. And that means we who aren't Jewish, I'm not Jewish by descent, but actually through Christ, we become Abraham's children. We become those who fulfill the promise of God. How? Through putting our faith in Christ. We take hold by faith of that which was promised to Abraham. It talks here about those who flee to God for refuge. That's you and I, those who don't choose to make their home, their longing in this world, but find our refuge, our safe place, our our place of rest in Christ. Through faith, we become the descendants of Abraham. If you want evidence of the faithfulness of God to encourage you, Take it from the fact that God's promise to Abraham is still being fulfilled through you and I who know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. That's a remarkable thought, isn't it? That we are children of Abraham by faith, that what God promised to Abraham and seemed so impossible, God is fulfilling still through you and I. Romans 4 speaks to us of how Abraham is the father of us all who have faith in Christ. I want you to know and to be encouraged of the fact that God is faithful. He is trustworthy. Whatever you're facing, know that God is faithful and he will not let you down. He is at work in your life, through your life, in the world and through his church to bring about his purposes. Be encouraged. God is not finished with us. Trust in the character of God. Because we trust in God's character, we're convinced he will keep his word. If somebody asks you to trust them, 
You have to decide, is their character trustworthy? God's character is trustworthy. He can be relied on. Be encouraged that Jesus is your saviour, even if the world feels like it's passing away, even in the midst of sickness and despair, even as you may face death and dying, be encouraged that Jesus Christ is your Lord and he has given you eternal life, that we have a hope, the hope of glory, Christ in us. The Bible makes clear that Jesus cheers on you and I. The Bible makes clear that Jesus intercedes for us. Be encouraged because we have a real and a living hope. Thirdly, we live as people who have a real and living hope. We live as people who have a real and living hope. Verse 19 says, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. You see, our hope is real and living and it is centered not in events but in a person it is centered on the person of Jesus Christ it is centered around the facts of the completed work of Jesus on the cross because of that we can be encouraged in the now to have a hope that is real and living for the future it says here that Jesus has gone beyond the curtain into the inner sanctuary. And that's an illustration of the temple and the fact that, that Jesus' death and resurrection meant that the, the, um, the curtain in the temple was torn. The separation between man and God had been removed by the completed work of Christ. The early Hebrew believers who received this letter would have been very keenly aware of the symbolism of that curtain being torn. Jesus breaks the separation. And the hope that we have is actually anchored in the presence of God. It is the fact of Christ in us, the hope of glory. It is in, it is in the fact that we have free access to God through what Jesus has done. There's no longer a need for continual sacrifice. Jesus' work is complete. And the writer uses the term, we have this anchor for our souls. And an anchor holds fast during a storm. It can stop the boat from being dragged away by the tides. And we have an anchor, not just in the natural things, but we have an anchor for our souls. But the incredible thing about, thing about this anchor is it doesn't go into the ground. No, it is anchored in heaven. Our anchor goes upwards. It reminds us that our home, our hope, our assurance isn't just in the here and now. It's not in material possessions. It's not in the world around us. And it's a great thing it's not in the world around us because the world around us right now is shifting and shaking 
and and in some ways people don't know which way is up and which way is down but our anchor isn't in this earth but it is in Christ it is in the heavenly places it is for those who have fled toward God for refuge the hope we have is not just for when it goes right the hope that we have is that we are safe in God that our souls are safe with him that he has given us life eternal life abundantly through his son Jesus and we experience that now in part but one day we will experience it in its glorious fullness when we are with God in his presence for eternity you know God is faithful even when it seems like things go wrong I just want to take a moment just to share something very personally that that these verses spoke to me about as well um, I wanted to just encourage us sometimes we get discouraged because we take as an act of faith and belief and try to have a certainty over something that God hasn't necessarily promised. We put our faith and hope in the wrong thing. And that can easily happen when we take some of the Bible's words out of context. You know, as some of you may be aware, Annie and I aren't able to have children and, uh, you know, that's been quite a difficult journey for us. And as part of that, at times, people have pointed us and said, look what happened with Abraham. And you just need to have faith. And there was a real pressure almost to, to try to, to take what is a promise that God made to Abraham and personalize it in the way that the, the Bible wasn't intended for. You know, this passage isn't a guarantee that if you are childless that you will have children the bible is very real and very clear that god's people experience difficulty god's people are not immune from living in a fallen world that as followers of christ we experience loss we experience difficulty frustration christians experience childlessness when they desire to have children. And we can't just say, okay, we just need to believe God. Similarly with sickness. I believe that God is the God who heals. And I believe ultimately that healing will be when we have a resurrection body. In the here and now, we have the first fruits of that, but we don't experience it in its fullness. And I really want to encourage you if you're going to take your stand on what you think is a promise of God, make sure you understand the Bible in its correct context. Make sure you don't try to personalize something that was not designed to be personalized. Make sure that we understand that there is a sense of God's general purpose for people. And there is a sense in which that is fulfilled in his people now but ultimately will be fulfilled in a far more complete way in the future. And this is the thing, the thing about faith and hope. It is based, our hope isn't just in a change of circumstances. Our hope is the sure and certain expectation of the fulfillment of God's promise. 
And so, brothers and sisters, let's not take something out of context and then try to stand on a promise for it, which can lead to hurt and disillusionment. No, the hope that we have is Christ's eternal purpose, which is that we, through him, are reconciled to God. I pray that you would know that anchor for your soul, that whatever you go through, good, bad, difficulty, sickness, whatever it is, that you know that ultimately our hope is in Christ and that one day we will be with him for eternity. Brothers and sisters, let us carry with us a sense of faith and patience. Let us have an encouraged heart and let our hope be firmly in Christ and his eternal purposes for us. God bless you. As we go to worship, I want to encourage you now, worship God with your full heart because you know the hope that you have. If you don't know what that hope is, please stop by the visitors table. We'd love to talk to you about the hope that we have in Jesus. Let's worship now. God bless you. Have a great week.